1: <laughs> and we are underway.
2: Welcome to the Action Network podcast. I am your host Chris Raybon and this is your NFL Week number 6 betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. I am joined as always by my Action Network colleague and the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Duck, what's going on? How was your uh, week five?
1: Uh, small winning week. It was a little stressful. I got, I had the Bengals plus three, so that was a, a roller coaster for about 25 minutes. I was like, should I take the push? And then the Packers would miss, and then I'd be like, am I going to win? And then the Bengals would miss a field goal. Back and forth we go. And all, Meanwhile, I'm worried the entire time, Rodgers is going to say, F it. I'm going to go down and score a touchdown now because I don't want to kick another field goal. and Then we're going to lose the plus three. I had that, and then I had you know it could have been a really nice day. If, if, you know, since he, when the kicker actually celebrated the kick that it actually went in, and uh, San Fran covered versus Arizona in a game they were the better team in you know outgained them better yards per play. They were like one for five on, on one for six on fourth down. Held Mary in check. We're uh, just I got stuffed at the one. Just an unlucky game. So a couple games. I could have had bounces on, but they'll leave it out. It was a small, profitable weekend. And uh, like I always say, who cares? We are on to the next.
2: I would have had a much better week. Um, I think it was pretty much break even or it was profitable on Sunday, but then I lost the uh, the Ravens' first half Monday. But the Vikings were up 10, and I had them minus eight and a half. And they were up 10. They get a sack uh, of Goff on fourth down deep in line. Unbelievable. Territory. Next thing I – like, so, like, I kind of wrote off the game. Like, it, they weren't showing it on red zone for a while. I'm like, okay, this is – in the bag, and then all of a sudden it pops back up and the lions have another field goal. And then I'm like, oh great. And then you know, for them to pretty much almost lose that game was just yeah, it was nuts. But I couldn't believe it. I was it like, the
1: Lions out. are really gonna take me out of Survivor like this. We've had some close calls because I think we had the Bengals too.
2: We've had some really close calls, man. And uh I I already I, I think we're gonna go same survivor team this week. I already don't feel good about them, so <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this goes. Uh, but yeah, let's get into Uh, We'll get into our Thursday night football preview in in a second. Before we kick things off, two quick reminders. First, if you plan to bet on any sport ever and you still haven't downloaded the award-winning free Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools. It lets you shop for the best lines. It's got analysis from me, Stucky, the whole Action Network team. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. And second, if you need to reference our Sunday six pack picks anytime, all you have to do is use the Action app and follow Sunday Six Pack because we use that account to track those picks there. They're posted every Friday. All right, Stuck, let's get into Thursday Night Football.
1: It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football.
2: Alright, so we have the Tampa Bay Bucks going on a road to visit the Philadelphia Eagles. Bucks minus seven, as road favorites, with a total of 52 and a half. I got my Randall Cunningham, 1992 Eagles throwback on. What do you think of the game? Uh, Seven-point Tampa Bay spread, total 52 and a half. So...
1: Yeah, I, I, I like the Eagles here. If you can get a seven or better, I'd make this right around five. And I think that there's some things working in the Eagles' favor here. I mean, number one, the Bucks' injuries. You know, Goblin got announced in today. He's fine. Brady's thumb's a little banged up. I assume he's fine. But Gronk's out. That hurts in the red zone. Like, that's just – that's those third downs in the – him and – you know, and they have another good tight end. But Gronk and Brady have such a good repertoire down near the five and the ten – um, and it just might hurt them on a, you know, it's stall a drive or two. They're starting center, who's excellent, Ryan Jensen. He's questionable. That's really important because the Eagles can get a lot of pressure up the middle if he can't go. And then, you know, their entire secondary is just decimated by injuries. You have Davis and Murphy Bunting still in IR. Winfield was ruled out today. So, you know, when you look at this Bucks team, what's happening is it's really shocking. They are. They're blitzing at the highest rate in the NFL and they're only getting pressure on 20. They're like 25th in pressure rate and they're 23rd EPA per play and 24th in success rate overall on defense 25th. When teams drop back number one, when teams run. So what is happening with the bucks? Well, number one, they have some injuries in the secondary, but teams have figured out a script with when they're playing Tampa. And the reason that they're not getting pressure is it's just, Hey, short passes. You saw it with Dallas in week one. This is how we're going to move the ball on you. We're not going to let you get the pressure. Um, and then we're going to, you know, it helps that you have a, a banged up secondary. So that's a good thing. And that's, you know, why they're not getting, getting home to quarterbacks, because there's just quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quick. That's a good thing for the Eagles because they don't run the ball. I, I don't know. Some, in some circumstances, I want them to run the ball, you know, inside the five yard line against the chiefs. Run the ball, right? You get, I mean, do you, you, you see the bills on, on Monday night? Just the part uh, and instead they're kick and field. So there's certain times Eagles against the Cowboys run the ball a little bit against that run defense. But I think that works in their favor here. You don't want to run it ever against Tampa ever, ever. Um, you know, the only, their running backs are averaging less than 14 carries per game in total between Gainwell and Sanders. So the runs that they should have are hurt scrambling, which which is fine, and then short passes, and then they can attack this beat-up Tampa secondary. The Eagles are pretty much healthy across the board after you know they've lost a couple of players for the year. But Maia is going to play. He played at right tackle last week. It was his first game at right tackle. I think he'll be more comfortable this week. And this is really important also, is that Andre Dillard is playing left tackle. He's been playing pretty well. If you look back at his stats historically and this might tie into why part of the reason why maybe I'm giving the eagle sirianni too much credit why the Eagles aren't running it more is Dillard's an awful run blocker but he's a really good uh he's really good in pass protection. So again, Eagles I assume if they start running it here, I will give up on this team and never bet them again. So <laughs> I think Dillard will be fine here uh in pass protection and uh, so, you know, the Eagles defense, they can get pressure up the middle. That's how you have to beat Brady. They're going to have two deep safeties. That's how you have to try and slow down Brady. Uh, you know, Tampa's going to move the ball some, but I think Philly can keep up. This is too many points on a short week. Eagles showed me some things last week that they're, you know, headed a little bit in <clears throat> the right direction. It's worth noting that these two teams are top five in, in pace and neutral situations, if you're Looking at the total, I think it's about right, um, but that did scare me off even. I had it a little high, but that scared me off of uh, looking at the under, not enough value there. But I like the Eagles or anything seven or better.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important to point out that like they don't need to run in this game. Like That's that's kind of what you're looking for when a team like Tampa Bay, a uh, in a certain aspect, and you're going to kind of minimize that. But also, and we talked about this last week, uh, Tampa Bay blitzing. Who did the Eagles face last week? They faced Carolina, who actually blitzed at the highest rate. Now, Carolina did not blitz nearly as much as they had been blitzing. They only blitzed Hurts on uh, 22% of his dropbacks, and they were blitzing at about a 40% rate overall heading into that game. But uh, on the uh, nine times that they blitzed, six completions in nine attempts, no sacks, 11.8 yards per attempt. So Jalen Hurts continues to have success against the Blitz. This season alone, he's averaging 9.2 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no picks, uh, and a passer rating of 113.4 uh, when blitzed. So he is really killing uh, you know, killing teams when they blitz. And so now Tampa Bay, I mean, you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place. Their run defense is going to kind of be minimized, which is what they really do well. Uh, if they bring pressure ex- with extra rushers, then Hertz is going to beat them, especially with their secondary so banged up. But if they sit back in coverage, I, you know, I don't know how effective they'll be given that, you know, receivers are still going to have time to come open against this, this secondary. I don't know how long they can hold up on that back end. You're going to make Richard Sherman play a ton. Hurts, uh, you know, even with defenders looking at him, you know, in that, in the zone, he can still run the football. Uh, he's still capable of, you know, picking up key gains when he needs to. So, uh, yeah, I think, I make the number six. Um, I, the Bucks' offense, I think, will still be fine even without Gronk. Um, I like this t- more as a tease piece. I wouldn't. I would go Eagles on the normal spread here because um, I, I agree. I think seven is a, a bit much here. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's a uh, it's a good matchup. Another good matchup for the Eagles' offense against the Bucks' defense. Now maybe the Bucks don't blitz as much. That's what Carolina did. But, but Carolina at this point probably has. You know more going for its defense than this banged up Bucks uh, back end. So uh, yeah. yeah. Oh and I didn't
1: even mention Levante David is out. Right. Um yeah one of the best linebackers in the NFL.
2: So this is probably I mean the more I think about it it's probably an over game. I mean, you know, you combine the pace with the fact that Tampa Bay's missing some key guys. Now maybe you just see some some Thursday night weirdness. You know, sometimes you know teams just come out flat on Thursday night on offense, you know, we saw Brady wasn't, I think that was a Thursday night game when Brady forgot what down it was a couple of years, uh, last year against the yep. Bears. So we see these things, but if I had a wean, I would lean over uh, with lean Eagles um, and uh, Tampa Bay. If you want to tease it, it's, you know, it's still, the line is still seven at bed MGM. Uh, so you'd get a, a one point win. Uh, kind of, if it, I see the game actually playing out very similarly to the last time Tampa Bay played, and NFC East it on Thursday against the Cowboys when the Cowboys were able to kind of move it up and down the field. Um, the Cowboys did get some turnovers. Maybe I don't, we'll see if the Eagles can do that, but uh, I do think Tampa Bay will be lucky to escape with like a, a small victory here. So um, yeah, that's, that's. Yeah, Tampa's defense
1: was also much healthier for that game.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I think that, I mean, looking back on it now, you know, we didn't know that in week one, but I, I think Dallas probably has a better defense than Philadelphia um, uh, which you know, coming into week one, we didn't think that, but you know, Philadelphia, I mean, they've been solid, they're 11th in DVOA. Um, you know, they've been struggling against the run, so maybe Tampa Bay keeps it on the ground, got keeps the number down, but which again,
1: I think would be a good thing for them yeah. if they're making Tampa run, which I think they're going to try to do.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a short week, I can see Tampa running, Steven Corey a little banged up soon. Yep, all right. Uh, that's going to do it for our Thursday night football preview. Let's give people what they want, and that is the Sunday six-pack, presented by our friends at Athletic Brewing Company.
1: Thirsty for action?
2: Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right, Stuck, good week for you. Uh, You pulled to within one. 1918 me, uh, I believe you hit, got like four of the six total points last week. I only got one. Keep it moving. We're still doing pretty well in the year. Yeah, we'll get to a money line Parlay, too, which we hit again for oh, yeah third time yeah. in five weeks. Yeah, can't complain about that. No, it's, it's been a good year overall for the pod. Yeah, we've been crushing. Just trying to give you uh, the reasoning behind the picks. Obviously, you guys are going to make the final decision, but uh, yeah, I feel like we've been doing, doing pretty good. Let's keep it up. I'll tweet
1: out an update, by the way, when I tweet out the pod. But yeah, but going into last week, we had 40 plays total okay. going into last weekend. And we were 27 and 13, 68% on all 40 plays. And that's not including two on money on
2: underdog parlays. So I'll update that after this week, but yeah, we're killing it. And let's keep killing it. So gad. For my first pick of the week six Sunday six pack, I am going with the Pittsburgh Steelers minus four and a half at bed. MGM at home against the Seattle Seahawks. And this is not a spot I thought I'd be taking as as early as last week, but Looking at what's going on with the, the Seahawks here and, and Russell Wilson going down and Geno Smith having to step in. Uh, I think Pittsburgh can actually get some separation in this spot. Uh, and the big reason why, obviously everyone's going to probably tweet out and talk to me about the Pittsburgh offense, which still needs work. But uh, Pittsburgh's defense, their number five in pressure rate, Geno Smith, last week, he looked good, right? Like everyone saw at time. oh, Geno, touchdown drive. Geno Smith under pressure in that game Two of eight, 12 yards, and a pick. So the real issue is that the Ram, it was late in the game. The Rams are kind of playing back, you know, on, on, on a lot of key plays. But when he was under pressure, he did absolutely nothing. Now, Geno Smith hasn't really played much in a while, but I went back to his last full season as a starter uh, with the Jets. Under pressure, 38.5% completions, a 52.8 passer rating. So, and this is this is his numbers, throughout his career under pressure. That's why he's not a a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, So you're in Pittsburgh in a hostile environment. I know they got the long week, but it's still Geno Smith, pressure, hostile environment. And then you look on the other side, and there were some encouraging things I saw from Pittsburgh in that game against Denver. Now, um, obviously the defense still had to steal it with with the interception at the end, but Pittsburgh did get a pretty big lead in that game. And now they face Seattle's defense, which is ranked 25th. In DVOA, and remember that's schedule adjusted. This is the easiest defense Pittsburgh has faced all year. So while Pittsburgh's offense is there's obviously some concerns there, we we also have to put into context they face four top 13 defenses by DVOA: Buffalo number one, Cincinnati number seven, Denver number 10, uh, and Vegas number 13. Vegas been a surprisingly good defense this year. You know Crosby getting a lot of pressure. Um, and then Green Bay was twentieth. That was the one, you know, below average unit they faced, and that was still five spots better than the Seattle defense. So that's number one. They they faced a tough schedule. Two, Pittsburgh did something interesting last week in their run game. They switched to exclusively a man blocking scheme. They didn't run any zone, any outside zone, anything. They all man, all man blocking for every single run play last week. Uh, and they actually put up 135 rushing yards. Uh, they averaged 4.2 in attempt. But the big thing they averaged 1.7 yards before contact. In the first four weeks, they had 64 carries and had just 61 yards before contact. So less than a yard on average before contact in weeks one through four, you know. And, and granted, I thought Fangio could have done some things different, but I really think what it was was just putting a hat on a hat and going forward, you know, there was none of yeah. this. Get to a get Najee going forward. Yeah, get Najee going forward. Because remember, what did Najee specialize at in school? This is the reason I thought it was a good fit here. I thought it was a better pick than like ETN going to Jaguars, which we'll never know because he got hurt. But, you know, Najee specialized in his yards after contact, going forward, you know, covering up for an O-line. So if they could do this they can get another two possession lead like they did against Denver and then you know maybe they get a backdoor weight you know if they don't put if they're kind of playing coverage weight and Gino, you know is able to throw from a queen pocket again they do have Metcalf and Lockett and those are good receivers but really the issue here is you're in a hostile environment for Gino and he's just been completely terrible versus pressure and Pittsburgh's offense trending up uh, and may not be as poor as we initially thought, like there's still concerns, but um this is going to be the easiest defense they face. So I'm going to buy on this Pittsburgh team now because I could see myself still fading them a lot down the stretch. They're going to have issues, uh, especially if they can't stay healthy. But uh, I like them in this spot, minus four and a half against Seattle. I'd, I'd take this up to five and a half. I expect Pittsburgh to win uh by a, by a possession or more.
1: Look, I don't think I can lay points to the Steelers offense, especially <laughs> Fair. yet. This is a spot where they really- – generally come out flat like they just won a game a big game and now they're playing geno smith as a favorite so steelers fans are probably a little nervous here about this game like they can see geno smith beating them but i agree i think it's if you're gonna bet this it's steelers or nothing i mean the seahawks i think this line should be closer to six the seahawks uh, without russ are like to poverty i mean like (laughs) they're one of the worst teams in in the nfl i mean what do they have They just have receivers. Their defense is terrible. They have a couple (laughs) of decent tackle, but like their interior offensive line is bad. Like there's nothing really good about this team. Then I just have receivers, but they have Geno Smith who has to get them the ball. They have a bad defense. So this is a really bad, this all of a sudden becomes a really bad team, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This is a team that I I only thought was average. And now you lose the one guy that can cover games for them, win games for them, elevate them and, and, on a week to week basis, you lose him. I mean, it's a guy who, you know, you could argue is in the MVP conversation every single year. So uh, I don't disagree. I think it's either Pittsburgh or
2: nothing. I knew you were going to come at me with Pittsburgh potentially coming out flat. And and I was worried about that too. Apparently it happens more in road games when they're yeah, road on the road favorites, but yeah. I, I got a trend though, because I know the listeners are probably still throwing up, you know, thinking like, oh man, do I want to bet Pittsburgh and late points? So I do have a trend. So the line opened at three and a half. It's up to four and a half, even five at some books. So uh, I looked this up. When Roethlisberger's the quarterback and the line moves in his favor uh, when Pittsburgh's at home, 23, eight and one, 74% against the spread, you know, in his career. So The market tends to be a good, like a reliable indicator of when to fade Pittsburgh in these spots. Uh, This is not one of those times they're covering, you know, with that 23, eight and one record, they're covering by an average of 4.2 a game. So, again, that's why I think that, you know, just stepping back, I think Pittsburgh can, you know, if I was just kind of handicapping this without numbers, I'd say Pittsburgh probably can get up by a touchdown here and hold them off, you know. A low scoring game but uh yeah that, that's just how to throw that trend out there because i was i was worried about it too but this ha- actually hasn't been like one of those you know terrible spots historically at least uh for big ben of course he's not as good anymore so well maybe that's out the window but worth noting
1: no it's a good point it does usually happen on the road all right for my first pick and the second overall pick of the sunday six pack i'm going with the cleveland browns minus three at home against the arizona cardinals uh, look, when against the Cardinals last week, would do it. Would bet more if you told me how that game played out. Uh, they were the better team with a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road. They outgained them. They had more yards per play. They had more opportunities in, inside the red zone. I mean, one for five on fourth down. They get one of those, they cover two of them, they win. Um, they just, yeah, I mean, Arizona couldn't do anything against a San Fran team that was missing a San Francisco team that was missing many different players, starting a rookie quarterback. So I, just this love for Arizona, it's there's certain factors that aren't being baked into their numbers, right? I, I love them week one against yeah, you, Tennessee. You, you,
2: that was you, yeah. That was all you.
1: And yeah, I moment. said, look, this is all about Tennessee. Is not ready yet. They're dealing with COVID, new offense, blah blah blah. That's all that was. Now they're getting credit for that win in their numbers. They're still getting credit for the win over San Fran, but this was a rookie quarterback making his first start, and they got outplayed anyway. But it banged up 49ers team. They were beaten. They were they played the Jags and they were losing by nine late in the third quarter before, you know, a pick six, a pick on a, a flea flicker. Uh, they, they, they beat the Vikings on a uh, Vikings missed a field goal. They had one really impressive win over the Rams. That's it. And this is carrying them just so far in everyone's eyes. And because they're undefeated, they remind me a lot of the Steelers of mm-hmm. last year um, that they're just they're stealing these wins and everyone thinks they're a lot better than they really are. Now, obviously, you have Kyler Murray instead of Ben Roethlisberger, but um, Kyler Murray is dealing with a shoulder injury, and we've seen that go uh, pretty bad before, and I think that might have factored into why the offense looked so stagnant last week, so keep an eye on that. There's also, it looks like, 20-mile-an-hour winds in Cleveland, up to 30-mile-an-hour wind gusts. Well, guess who that favors, the Browns in their running game. Uh, the Cardinals are allowing 5.4 yards per carry. That's 31st in the NFL. Their linebackers really struggle against the run, Hicks and Simmons. Uh, you know, so I just think that the Browns can go really heavy here. And, you know, there's a chance Landry comes back. I, I doubt it. But I think they can just dominate the line of scrimmage here and run all over this Cardinals team. No Chandler Jones for the Cardinals as well. And, you know, if Baker Mayfield does have to throw it, that's huge because you look at him again this year he is as drastic of splits as any quarterback in the that went under pressure versus not. So if he does have to throw, you know, he's going to have to throw every once in a while. That's big that Chandler Jones is not playing. You know, the Browns could easily be the five and O team here. And the, and the Cardinals could be three and two. And this line would be where it was in the preseason around five and a half. The Browns lost last week to the Chargers And again, they could have won, if not for a botched PI call. And the, and the charters going 50 of 50 on fourth down. And then they lost to the Chiefs on a botched punt play. Um, So, you know, I just think that you're getting some value here with the Browns in a good situation, especially when you consider that there's going to be 20, maybe 30 mile an hour wind gusts here. Kyler Murray could be banged up. Joe Woods also does an excellent job of taking away opposing number one receivers, Hopkins, Max Williams, their tight end is now out. I think the Cardinals Also have some third down regression coming on both sides. Arizona's defense is 31st in success rate on early downs, which is more predictive. Uh, The Browns, by the way, their defense, number one. And on third downs, the Browns are 20, the Cardinals are fourth. So this Cardinals defense has been overperforming on third down. Uh, But ultimately, I just think that their interior defensive line and their linebackers are just not going to be able to hold up here. This reminds me a lot of the Seahawks game last year. Arizona at home, picked that picked off a 5-0 Seattle team. There's also a big coaching edge here. So give me Stefanski. Everyone's talking about Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down. If you look at the charts and see who's gone for it when they should have, Brandon Staley's in the middle of the pack. Stefanski is way up ahead of everybody. So give me Stefanski here too. So I think that there's a lot working in the Browns' favor here. It's worth noting Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, Newsom, their three corners were all questionable. All practice today. Uh, Jok is fine. Uh, looks like Wills is a go. I think Shredders, from people I talked to, is going to play. You know, Garrett is banged up, but they people expect him to play. So Cleveland is a little nicked up, but it's not as bad as it could have been based on the reports today. So give me the Browns minus three. You could find up two and a half juiced up to like if you find like a minus one twenty, I would prefer that but uh, I think the Browns get this done here on the back of their defense uh, in a windy environment and their running game, which is the best in the NFL. So
2: you essentially think the Browns are going to probably win by like a touchdown plus. Cause like there's, there might not be as many kicks in this game either. Like that's why it's yep. cause like minus three. I know you don't usually take the minus threes, especially on the show because of the, you know, the zero points. Well, I
1: took, a, I took a two. Yeah. I took a two and a half, but I think that, yeah, I mean, their field goals are less likely in this game, especially with two more aggressive coaches on fourth downs and against this run defense. I expect the Browns to be going for it a lot on fourth and short trying to get touchdowns. So, yeah, I think that this is uh, a reality check for the Cardinals in Cleveland. It's just a bad, it's a, it's a bad matchup, and then the wind just makes it a nightmare. And then if Kyler Murray's shoulder is really hurt, they have no shot.
2: Yeah, it's just one because I'm kind of, you know, very tempted to already bet this one, and it already moved to three, so that's kind of why I was, like, a little more hesitant because um, I didn't get the two and a half. But when I, when I saw Chandler Jones and the center Rodney Hudson for the Cardinals going to be out, in addition yep. to the Murray injury, I mean, that always sets off a red alert for me when you have the center and the top pass rusher. Now, it didn't work out last week with the lions, but we all saw that game. The Vikings were up 10 and should have covered that, or at least pushed if you got the 10 uh, and they just collapsed. Uh, The Browns, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem hunt, if they're in that spot, they're not likely to do it. So you just see these things usually play out that way more often than not. So yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go Browns here, but uh, yeah, I was just curious about that. the, The number, wasn't sure if I should still take it. All right. For my second pick and the third overall pick of the week six, Sunday six pack, we're going to get ugly. We're going to get ugly and go with the Chicago Bears. Plus four and a half. Home dog to the mighty Green Bay Packers, which I happen to think are in fact not so mighty. Looking at the Packers, this is the only team in the league that's four and one with a negative point differential. They still haven't quite recovered from that blowout loss to the Saints in week one. But remember, point differential is more predictive than you know win-loss record. This is the point in the season where I think people still overreact to these kinds of things, especially when you have a reputation. Uh, The Packers have this reputation because of Aaron Rodgers, because they made the playoffs, you know, the bears have a totally different reputation, but like, just looking back on it um, in week six, you have underdogs uh, plus three or more against a favorite with a winning against the spread record who also made the playoffs the last year. The underdogs are 36, 12 and three against the spread 75% since 2003. Uh, according to our Action Labs data. But really what I'm looking at here is the way Chicago's kind of changed the way they played too. I think Chicago can just muck up this game. And even if Green Bay wins, I think it's by three, maybe it's by four. Uh, so I love the hook at the four and a half. Green Bay's 20th in defensive DVOA. But they're 29th against the Rush. Chicago in the last two weeks, 76 runs, just 41 passes. They're going 65% run. Uh, they're running you know, two-thirds of the time on early downs. So, and and they're max protecting. And so Green Bay's dealing, you know, they don't have no Jair Alexander. So Justin Fields here, he can move around a little bit. He hasn't been running, but I think he's going to, I think, you know, Mooney and Robinson against this secondary uh, in a max protect scheme supported by a running game with, you know, Williams, Khalil Herbert looked really good last week. Um, You know, 18 carries for 75 yards. I just think Chicago can muck up this game, keep it close. On the year, Green Bay, is 26th in early down success rate on offense. That's two spots worse than the Bears. That's counting the all the Andy Dalton starts. That's counting the Justin Fields, you know, nightmare, you know, first start against Cleveland. The Bears have still been more successful on average on early downs than the Green Bay Packers. Now the Packers did play some tough defenses, but that just kind of shows you that this Packers team is vulnerable. It's really only Devontae Adams. And guess what? The Bears, they haven't they haven't been allowing much to opposing number one receivers, just fifty point nine schedule adjusted uh, yards per game to opposing number one receivers. That's second fewest in the league for Chicago. They have one good corner.
1: That's what helps. They have one good corner in Johnson.
2: But the the issue is that, and they're going to move Devontae Adams around, but you know, Chicago leads the league in sacks. Their pressure rate hasn't been as great as you think, considering they're leading the league in sacks, but this is going to be a game in Chicago Physical game, I think. The Bears playing physical. The Packers not doing good on early downs. Rodgers without you, and you talked about it last week. I think without Valdez Scantling, it really does change that offense a little because Aaron Rodgers could keep defenses honest, you know, kind of chucking one to Valdez Scantling every once in a while, even if they didn't complete it. Now it's really all about Adams. Lazard just runs wind sprints out there. He's like invisible. Randall Cobb, you know, he's, he's, up there in age he's not really a difference maker on a consistent down to down basis the running game is struggling They're tw- it's 26 in early down success rate dylan's kind of mixing in more than maybe they had planned to so it, it, jones had the one long run last week but i just see this packer offense really not necessarily being able to separate in this kind of game low total in chicago bears going heavy every play you know the bears will play the field position game you know if if Rodgers and Devontae miss it on, a, on any given down. It's probably a punt on that down. Green Bay has struggled in the red zone this year. I don't know. If that's, I think that regresses, but it's worth noting this is not necessarily the same Packer team that we're used to. They're 27th in red zone conversion rate on offense. They're also 32nd dead last on defense. I don't know if this is the spot where the Packers red zone offense regresses. Uh, they're in Chicago. You're going to have to rely on a field goal kicker who's had some struggles last week better than green Bay and red zone offense, even though they've struggled for most of the year on offense. So uh, there's just a lot of things lining up to where this game, it could be a lot closer than people think. And I was, I'm, I'm not going to go with them, but I was very tempted to go also go with them as my money line dog. Cause I just see them mucking this game up, playing it real heavy, low scoring game, uh, keeping it real close. It's not pulling off the upset. So Chicago plus four and a half at home against green Bay.
1: Yeah. I think I might join you here. The, I think the bears will be able to get pressure which is key. I mean, Rogers, when kept clean this year, 10 touchdowns, one pick 81% adjusted completion percentage, 122.6 rating third in the NFL under pressure, 14 of 38, 47% adjusted completion percentage, zero touchdowns, two picks 31. His rating is 31. That's uh, dead last out of every, any quarterback with at least 30 dropbacks under pressure. Um, Yeah. And you're right. This Packers offense doesn't, there was some regression coming for this Packers offense. If you last year all the touchdowns they were scoring in the red zone, so you're kind of seeing that. Last year they were number one in the red zone at seventy six point eight percent touchdown percentage. This year down to fifty five percent. So yeah, maybe there's some positive regression. But I think that there's some issues with this offense. The offensive line, look, they develop offensive line, but there's been so many moving pieces and young kids in there. And uh, look, they they're fifteenth in line yards this year and eighteenth in adjusted sack rate last year. They were fifth and sixth in those two categories. The Packers offense last year, number one in EPA per play. This year, it's 12th. Why? I mean, you're, they miss MVS. The offensive line isn't as good. Robert Tanyan isn't as effective as it to keep him in to help p- protect. You know, Lazard isn't getting separation. So it's just not as effective. And then teams are just putting two safeties back. And then, you know, Devontae Adams is going to get his no matter what. So the offense has some issues here. The defense is obviously missing a a difference maker and one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. They're still missing Zadarius Smith. They can't defend the run. I I agree. I think that's what the Bears do. I kind of like the under here, too. I think it's lower scoring, which gives more value to the Bears. So I don't disagree with you. All right. For my second pick and the fourth overall pick of the Sunday six-pack, we are going – Back to all reliable, Bill Belichick, uh, who's always treated me well when I take the Patriots on this podcast. Uh, plus three and a half at BetMGM at home against the Cowboys. Uh, if you follow me on the Action Network app, you saw I took a four, which is still out there. I don't know if it will be by the time you're listening, but it's a key number see if you can uh, shop around and find that four, which I think is important. I don't think that this line should be over a field goal. I'm selling high. I'm basically selling high on the Cowboys here. Uh, after they're 5-0 and o against the spread, they've won four straight, three of which came at home. They're going on the road. There's a little bit of uh, feeling good about themselves, a little bit of a reality check. And then, more importantly, just inflation in the market, I think, because the Cowboys have been so good. And they have. I mean, you look at their offense on early downs, pass, run. Their offense has been phenomenal. For what it's worth, though, road favorites, road favorites after three straight home games, 20, 35 and one against the spread since 2003. That's 36%. After multiple wins in a row at home. Nine and 21 against the spread, 30%. So not the biggest sample size, but it makes sense. You have these teams at home, people see them winning, and then they go on the road, and it's a little bit of a reality check. I could go into Belichick stats all day. Belichick 28, 13, and 2 as a dog since 2003. Uh, That's just 68.3%. He's covering by over six points per game. Home underdog since 2000. Belichick 15 and 4 against the spread, 79% with 12 outright wins. October bill. You want to get an October bill? This is when, you know, the Patriots usually spend the first month or so figuring some things out, testing some things. October bill, fifty-one twenty-three and 3 69% nice since 2003 in October. He's 56.7% against the spread in all of the months combined. This is his month. Make the commitment towards a championship. That's what our goal is. That's all I really am about is – trying to win football games you a, what an 863rd time uh so you know the cowboys still have a very vulnerable run defense their bottom five and pressure rate adjusted sack rate so i just think the patriots they're getting they i think they're going to be healthier along the offensive line last last week they're missing four starters they should get a couple of those back this week i think that they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage and jones when he needs to throw will have time to do so because and that's important for a rookie because the cowboys just aren't generating pressure. Dallas defensive stats look good, but it's all buoyed by turnovers. I mean, this team is second in EPA from turnovers, second in EPA from net turnovers. What are they, plus 12 in turnover margin on the year? They've recovered five of the seven fumbles that they've lost. The opponents have lost two of their three that they fumbled. Opponents are averaging over 20 more penalty yards and two more penalties per game. I mean, just there is so much regression coming to this Dallas defense. And then, you know, you want to throw – there's value in the line. You want to throw – On top of all that, kind of the the sprinkles on top of this play, enormous coaching edge, big special teams advantage for the Patriots here. Uh, Look, I think the Cowboys are a real contender in the NFC, but this line is a bit inflated. I think the Patriots can control the clock here, control the line of scrimmage, and there's just going to be some regression coming for this Cowboys defense that is just living on turnovers Um, and that's just not going to continue so give me the Patriots as a home underdog just like I did against uh, Tampa a couple weeks ago I would not go to three try to find that four I think the Patriots win this game outright oh yeah we got them yeah we'll see we'll see who's got who
2: it reminds me of a spot I it seems I guess it was longer ago than I thought because they only play each other once every what four years but there was a Cowboys game against the Jets with Dak where they went on the road and, you know, I was on the jets. Receivers. Yeah. So yeah. That, how, how is that? That wasn't a, that was only like two years ago then. How are they playing the NFC East again? I'm confused. Yeah. That was yeah.
1: 2019. Yeah, the jets won uh, 20, 24, 22. So well, it's because they're, it? sef- they're, they're 17 games.
2: Oh yeah, I'm like yeah for a sec. This made me. I was like, how is they? Okay, it's just this game. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just like that's the
1: off. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, Seattle? Seattle.
2: That yeah. That's the okay. extra team. You know, this wasn't one that was like on my radar, but like you've made a very convincing point here. It's just you know Dallas coming off the three straight home games. You know, I thought they they may have come down to earth last week, but the Giants lost the second their second entire year. starting yeah. offense. Yeah, you but, yeah, literally was, had the entire backup Giants offense, offense on the field <laughs> in the second half. Nuts. Listen, Trevon Diggs continues to to stand out, but at some point, he's not going to get an interception in a game. Like, he's not going to end the year with 17 interceptions. You know, Houston almost beat the Patriots last week, so I think a lot of people are going to kind of stay away just based on that. Yeah, this is what I might have to get on. Um, I really hadn't considered it, even though I did have the line uh, projected a little bit lower than the market. So, you know, I, I would have weaned Patriots regardless. But, yeah, the more I think about it, this is a good spot to, to, uh, to sell Dallas. All right, for... My third pick and the fifth overall pick of the week six, Sunday six-pack. I am going with the Minnesota Vikings minus one in Carolina. And listen, Minnesota's been a roller coaster all year long. Uh, they let me down last week. I feel like I bet on them most weeks in this podcast. Uh, just after that, after losing to Cincinnati, I feel like they've just kind of been a little bit underrated. But uh, this, I, think, I still think this team is a little better then it's getting credit for. This one comes down to me though, just on simple, looking at the quarterback matchup, you know, who they're facing. Both of these teams are going to get pressure. The difference is Kirk Cousins is going to get the ball out. They might not get big plays when he's under pressure, but he's going to get the ball out. Uh, He's not going to take, you know, too many negative plays, make too many turnover mistakes. He has got better receivers in totality, I think, than Carolina, but You look at Sam Darnold and Minnesota's number two in pressure rate, Carolina's number one, Sam Darnold's rating this season drops from 97.5 to 59.6 under pressure on 77 pressure dropbacks for Darnold this year, one touchdown, four picks, 13 sacks in this game. They might even take more sacks, you know, a higher percentage of sacks than that, because what's the narrative going to be for Darnold, you know, coming off a game where he took uh, two games where he's, thrown five picks combined in those two games it's going to be eat the ball you know a sack is better than a pick if McCaffrey's back it's going to be dump it off to McCaffrey uh you know they're going to hand the ball off a lot so I just you know I don't think the Panthers are nearly as good as their record I don't think the Panthers are you know I just think it was a matter of playing the Giants the Jets and the Houston Texans and Davis Mills first start and then you know the Panthers they have a they have a lead on Philly they can't close the deal uh because Darnold is reverting to old and this is exactly who I thought he was uh, against the Mike Zimmer defense uh, As a only having to cover by a point. I'll take it. You know, I take it up to two. I think Vikings win this game. Uh, I wouldn't take it past two because they'll probably miss an extra point. or, or something silly like that. So I, I think, you know, I, something, sometimes I say, Hey, you can take it to three. If you have a good team, like a Baltimore good kicker, but uh, Minnesota, it's been up and down here, but Mike Zimmer too conservative. That's what everyone's saying in Minnesota. And I probably agree, I think, but it's, even still, this is a Mike Zimmer kind of spot. You know, Mike Zimmer, for whatever reason, in the division is where he tends to struggle. Preparation-wise, when it's an unfamiliar opponent or just a less familiar opponent, so any game that's in the conference but non-divisional or in the AFC, 38-19-1 and against the spread in his career, 67% against non-divisional opponents on normal rest. So as long as, you know, the Vikes don't have, you know, aren't coming off a short week or the opponent isn't coming off a bye or something like that. Um, Mike Zimmer's covered two-thirds of the time in this spot. I think it's a low-scoring, ugly game, but I think the Vikings win because their offense will be better under pressure than uh than Carolina's.
1: I I agree. I think you nailed the handicap here. Uh by the way, McCaffrey's 50-50 to be back per yeah. uh, rule this afternoon, if anyone's curious about that. But what the the Pan- Panthers fans? What happened uh, You're three and oh? I thought you were going to the Super Bowl. Now your home dogs are the Vikings. Um, yeah, the Panthers came down, came crashing back down to earth as we expected uh, one of the easiest schedules you'll ever see. They played two rookie quarterbacks making their first starts in the first three games. And then a Saints team that didn't have any coaches uh, off a huge win. But uh, yeah, when I broke this game down, I saw one key angle here is these two teams are really similar in a lot of ways that they, you know, their secondaries are iffy. And you know, especially with the Panthers, they have three of their top five uh, that played on their, their nickel packages are still out. Yeah. And you know, so But they can get a lot of pressure. These two teams are top three in adjusted sack rate. They're top five in third down defense. Zimmer's defense is always going to be elite on third downs. And then their offensive lines aren't great. Um, so what is the difference here? Well, the Minnesota offensive line is top five in adjusted sack rate. Panthers are bottom 10. A lot of times that speaks more to the quarterback. And Carolina, 27th in pass blocking efficiency. Vikings 20th, so they're better there. Darnold holding onto the ball for an average of 2.8 seconds. Cousins, 2.5. So Cousins is going to be, number one, he's better than he's playing at a very high level now, and he's just better overall than Darnold, and I agree he has better overall receivers. There's going to be a lot of pressure. I love what I've seen from the Vikings defensive front. You're going to have to get rid of the ball quick here. That is probably going to be the difference. Cousins is going to have more success doing that. If you want numbers here, when throwing under two and a half seconds, Cousins, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, 90% adjusted completion percentage, 111 quarterback rating. Darnold, two touchdowns, three picks. Uh, His rating is 78. So you can see the difference there. So I think that, yeah, both teams should be able to generate some pressure and the quarterback that's going to be able to deal with that make more plays and fewer mistakes is cousins which is ultimately what this game comes down to
2: if, every, if anyone's curious uh so the reason this line shifted from i think the panthers were at one point uh, a, a one point favorite uh, yeah and it's not a big change even though it seems jarring from a team to go from a favorite to an underdog it's not a big change because you're, you're you're not always going to do you uh Post to pick them as a sports book. So it's really going from like one to one. It's not that big of a deal. But if you're if you're wondering why uh, Caesar Sportsbook reported that they took a $500,000 wager uh, on the Vikings money line at even money uh, against the Panthers. So that's kind of uh, what shifted the line uh, toward the Vikings some big money early in the week.
1: Could be a casino player. You never know. All right. Uh, could be Floyd. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. all right. No, I think it's right. I, I agree. I agree with you. All right. For my third pick and the sixth overall pick of the Sunday six pack. A lot of pressure here. I'm going with the Baltimore, my Baltimore Ravens minus three at bed MGM at home against the chargers. And why I say a lot of pressure, this is my team. This is the team that I've the highest against the spread uh, percentage betting on people trust when I say bet them this year, I bet the Ravens one time against the chiefs. I had the under in the Raiders, which I would bet a million times over. I had the under in the lions, the under in the Broncos. And I didn't bet last week. So I've had a good read on them this year. I wanted them to lose in a way like they're going to the playoffs, but if they lost and then you get, it was a slam spot, like hardball off that loss at home against a four and one team, just a little extra. Harbaugh's so good in those spots, but they came back to win. So it gives their a little fatigue. It's a short week. It's something to consider. I mean, LA does have to come across country. But uh, this Chargers team, I, first of all, I have to just give Justin Herbert is incredible, every sense. But this offense is has re- major regression coming. I mean, it, it is insane what they're doing on third and fourth downs. Uh, the Chargers third down offense The third downs that they're converting, like these third and eights, third and nines, third and tens, uh, they're 0.485 EPA per play on third down, success rate 56.5%. The Ravens on third down, by the way, negative 0.56 EPA per play. That's dead last on third downs. Success rate 33.3% on third downs, dead last. Well, you say, okay, is the Chargers offense a lot better than the Ravens? Well, if we look at early downs, the Ravens offense, if we remove garbage time, number two in the NFL and EPA per play, number three in success rate. What are the Chargers? 23rd and 20th. So, I mean, this is a a Chargers offense that is living on converting all of these third downs. And Justin Herbert's incredible, but they cannot maintain this level of success on third downs. And I didn't even get to... The fourth down success charters on fourth down this year. If you remove the one fake punt where they tried to fake punt on fourth and 15, um, which was bizarre. They're eight for eight on third down on fourth down eight for eight on fourth down Mm. with a bunch of, there's like been PIs, there's been holdings the average yards to go 6.2, eight for eight. Their opponents are three for eight, average yards to go 3.75. So, I mean, it's just every fourth down is going their way. Their third downs are going their way. Um, so, uh, look, another thing to keep in mind here, Ravens special teams. This is an like, enormous special teams advantage, as big as you will find in the NFL. Either, either, if you go by DVA, the Chargers are 29th, Ravens are second. But my ratings for special teams, i spent a lot doing that. I have Ravens 1. Uh, by far, and Chargers' 32nd, by far. The Chargers are using a kicker who couldn't make field goals in college in Viscaina. I don't know how he got on the roster. I have no idea how he's on the roster. Kickoff, kickoff, bruh. Yeah, but they get, a, get a kick, get a field goal kicker, too. It's, it's insane. He was a 60% kicker in college. He couldn't even make extra points in college. It's crazy. And another thing here is, look, the Ravens have been killing teams throwing the ball on early downs, killing teams. And everyone is just... Trying to stop the run at all costs, and and Lamar Jackson is just shredding. I mean, just incredible how he's playing so far this year. Throwing the ball, he's just so much improved. And imagine if you know Hollywood Brown didn't have like four touchdown drops in one game. But this is a game where the Ravens' run offense gets going. I think the Charters kind of invite you to run. They try to take away that deep pass. That's why I don't like the over here. You think, all right, I think that both of these teams are going to score a lot. I think the Ravens are actually going to sustain drives. Finally, running it. And then there's going to be regression on this Chargers offense. So, you know, the Chargers are 31st DVOA against the run, 31st in line yards, 31st in 10-plus yard runs allowed. They're allowing 5.6 yards per rush. That's dead last in the NFL. They're 29th in covering tight ends. Like, this is all the things you're going to see this, I think, this vintage Ravens offense. Outside of Joey Bosa, look at this Chargers roster. It's very underwhelming in terms of their defensive linemen and their linebackers. Kenneth Murray's also on IR. Um, And another important piece here is Deshaun Elliott should return for the Ravens. He's not an all pro safety. He's not a pro bowler, but he makes a big difference because the drop-off is from him to Brandon Stevens, who I like in the future, but this is a kid who had a start last week and he was lost out there and week Martindale's, Defense is one of the most complicated in the NFL from a secondary perspective, and Stevens is a kid that never played defensive back until he got to SMU. He was running back in high school, running back at UCLA, transferred to SMU, and the Ravens took him as a rookie. And he played corner, and then they wanted to trans, they wanted to move him to safety. Both of their safeties were out last week. Geno Stone was out too. They should all be back, and they had to start a rookie. And he was lost in coverage last week. That'll help against the Chargers. Um, you have Marlon Humphrey on one of the chargers excellent receivers the other one is a concern but i think that there's some regression coming for this chargers offense they're getting a little bit too much love in the market um i think the ravens should be able to control the clock i think that they should be able to get enough stops and i think that's just this regression is coming for the chargers offense and don't sleep on the special teams here it's a massive massive factor in this game look for the two and a half I don't, yeah. this didn't come through on the app yet, but there's a good chance Tucker wins this on a field goal. Or it's going to be close. I don't think the Ravens are blowing out the Chargers, and also there's a big backdoor risk. If you're up 10, Ravens' secondary is not as good as it's been, and it's still trying to figure itself out. So, if I can't find the two and a half, I'm probably going to buy it. At the two and a half, I might throw it in the money line, play with something, but I'm waiting on that two and a half and seeing how cheap I can get it. There's a ton of Chargers love in the market, so that's why I'm holding out. I think that it could come. I'm, I'm seeing. On our app and some other places, it's like 92% of the bets are on the Chargers. Um, so take them three here, but wait to see if you can get under three.
2: I would love... Pressure's to on. Go, Ravens. Now, we only have data from going back to 2015 in terms of public betting data. But over that span, when the Ravens are getting 40% or less of the spread tickets, Harbaugh 21-14-1, and 60% against the spread, covering by an average of 5.2 points per game. So uh, it's been it's been a profitable spot to look for the Ravens here when, when the public's on the other side. So uh, like that one as well. Um, but yeah, definitely want the two and a half here because I got a lot, I do have a lot of respect for Herbert and his Charger team. They just never seem out of out of a game. All right, so that was our week six Sunday six pack presented by Athletic Brewing Company to recap, Stuck is going with Cleveland minus three. Against the Cardinals, the Patriots, plus three and a half, hosting the Cowboys and the Ravens, minus three, hosting the Darling L.A. Chargers. I am going with the Pittsburgh Steelers, minus four and a half, at home against Geno Smith in Seattle. The Chicago Bears, plus four and a half, at home against the Pack. And the Vikings, minus one on the road, against the Carolina Panthers. That concludes our week six Sunday six pack presented by Athletic Brewing Company whose innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to Stouts to Golden Ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they have created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award Gold Medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews lets you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six-packs, and you can enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's action O N one zero. Cheers. All right, Stuck. You know what time it is. It's time for the Coach's Pep Talk. You know we're, we're dedicating it to? Yeah. I think we should just renamed the segment the Urban Meyer Pep Talk because... It's going to Irvin, as Stuck said. Uh, It's coming to you via a clip from the 1976 film Network dedicated to Urban Meyer. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy and all we say is, just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I am as mad as hell, and I am not going to take this anymore. That's stuck. Urban is 1-4 against the spread. He is 0-5 straight up. Like, oh, like over-under, how many against the spread wins do the Jags end up with this year? I'll set the line at 6.5. Under. <laughs> You're coming around. You're coming around. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you.
1: I think they'll finish six and 10, 11. Oh yeah. I forgot the yeah, 17. Yeah. That's a pretty good line. Yeah. It'll I, come I, down I, to like the last week on who they're playing and if they care or not.
2: Oh yeah. I'd go under two. I, obviously, you know, against the spread record in just of a team is absent of anything else. not going to be super predictive, but I mean, the more I see out of urban Meyer. I mean, if it wasn't for John Gruden, we'd still be talking about urban Meyer. So you got, you got a crazy assist there. But uh, I digress. Let's get into our favorite total of the week.
1: Yeah, for my favorite total of the week, I'm going with Bengals, Lions under 47 and a half at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. I mean, you look at the Lions offense. It's... (laughs) I mean, well, now Rag, now, their center is out for the year. Uh, Decker just got designated to come back for fire. I don't think he's still going to play. So the offensive line, their strength is just it's – it's no longer a strength. Their wide receiver group, which was very underwhelming, is now now banged up. They, they don't have Williams. They just lost Cephas. It's a really bad group. And now, on top of that, Dan Campbell, who I love. Like, I actually really love him. He's such a genuine – I want him to win a game. He came out and he said, because Goff just keeps turning the ball over. So he came out this week and he said, look, we're going to have to trim this playbook down. We're going to have to simplify it for Goff and make everything easier to limit these mistakes. Well, that screams that Detroit's going to come out here and just run the ball all day, which is not a good idea again since he's uh, – D is fourth in line yards. They're fourth in stuff rate. They're fourth in EPA against the run. They're fifth in rush success rate. So it's uh, just a, a nightmare scenario. This is how D's actually playing pretty well. These are also two very slow teams. Uh, Bengals, I think, are the slowest team in the NFL. in Neutral situations, they go so slow. Detroit's obviously doesn't play fast unless you know they're down by a lot. And I think they're going to go slow. And based on what Campbell said here, this is also a really bad spot. You know, like that Ravens spot when I said the Ravens going to come out of Detroit. And it's just going to be just weird. And I, like since he just played Green Bay and lost that heartbreaker. Now you go to winless Detroit and you have the Ravens on deck. Like this is flat spot city. And the Cincy offense is kind of broken. And I think it's all because, I mean, they're 21st in EPA per play. And they have all this talent and Barrow. A lot of it's their offensive line is not good at all. The lines are actually scheming up some pressure. They're top five in pressure rate and, and adjusted sack rate. So their defensive line isn't playing bad. They have a couple of rookies that I like. It's scary that Tracy Walker is the only competent defensive back that they have. Um, I don't know how Will Harris is starting at safety still in the NFL. But the Bengals are just – they're the definition of a talented but negative EV offense because of Zach Taylor. Like, the, just the play calling is bad, and they go so slow. And then you watch Burrow in, like, a two-minute drill, and they need to score, and you like, well, they'll go 80 yards and score. And just the chemistry they have has with Chase. But they, they – I hate the play calling on this team. City's also scoring 80% touchdowns in the red zone. Detroit's actually like 66% for that offense, which is top 12. And Detroit's allowing teams to score touchdowns 85%. The highest you'll ever see in the NFL is like 70, 72, 73 for a year. Yeah, kind of on both sides. So I know that the lines are bad, but there, there might be some regression coming there. Also, Detroit's defense is second in success rate on third downs. I don't know yeah. how. So... There could be some regression coming there, but I think, just think these are two slow teams. Detroit is, from what I've heard, is going to go really basic here, and I think the Bengals are going to be flat, and Detroit's just competing. Like, they're actually trying, so I think that's good, that's going to show up on the defense end. They're just out of players on offense, and uh, the Cincy defense is playing better than people think. I don't think that the market is caught up to these unders with Cincy because they look at this team and they're like, oh, it's Burrow and a bunch of receivers. Bengals have four straight unders, Lions have hit three straight unders. So that might make you pause and you say, oh, they're due. Don't ever do that. But oh, they've had a bunch of unders in a row, both these teams are so they're due for an over. Well, just to ease your mind, this game obviously could still go over, but two teams that meet, each having at least streaks of three straight unders. So each of their last three weeks, yes, each of their last three games have all gone under or more, at least three. That game when they meet, the under has gone 36, 22 and one. To the under 62.1 percent, going under by almost three points per game. So it doesn't mean. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I, I don't know. I'd have to dig into if there's any meaning to that. But it just ease your mind. It's just because it's they've these teams have hit unders less three or four weeks doesn't mean they can't under again. Uh, I show value on this number. I think the Bengals are gonna be flat, and uh, this stays under 47 and a half. What do you got?
2: Well, I was gonna go with this one, but then you stole it. So there's going to be another play I have in this game that we'll talk about in a, in a moment, uh, but I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings and the Carolina Panthers under 46 at bed MGM. The reason I'm doing it mentioned it earlier, top two teams in the NFL in pressure rate. Also you have two teams that are outside the top 20 in situation, neutral pace with Minnesota being 25th and the Panthers 21st. I mentioned Sam Darnold and really the, biggest concern I have if, if there is any about this under is you know maybe Sam Darnold throws a pick six or something like that but uh you know I mentioned Darnold 13 sacks on 77 dropbacks under pressure that is the best thing uh that you can usually get for an under is sacks they kill drives it's kind of like a 10-yard penalty or 15-yard penalty uh, on the offense you know something like that. It's akin to that it's because you lose the down on a penalty at least you keep the down unless it's grounding so sacks are great and then on the other side You know, I mentioned I like the Vikings because I think Cousins is going to, is, you know, the better quarterback under pressure, but he's doing something really odd that you don't see a lot uh, from quarterbacks under pressure. His average depth of target actually goes down when he's pressured and it goes down when he's blitzed. Now, usually what happens is defense brings extra pressure. You have to send, you know, you're one-on-one down the field. You just kind of have to throw it up. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes bad things happen. That's why. Uh, performance under pressure takes a little longer, you know, to get predictive than just flat out stats uh, on their own from a clean pocket. But Cousins, he's just throwing these hot reads that are, you know, very short, get the ball out quick, hot reads. So I think the Vikings, you know, they're going to kind of eat the ball if they get under too much pressure. There, Mike Zimmer's always going to be happy to play a conservative and punt. Uh, you know, we saw them play a little too conservative last week, but this is this is this kind of game where you know, both of these teams just getting a lot of pressure. You might – this is one of those quick corner TV games where you might have red zone on, and this – it could be like 40 minutes go by, and we don't get an update from this game just because of how these teams are, are getting pressure. So Mike Zimmer, again, these – and one of the reasons that they do so well in these non-divisional games, because usually teams have low-scoring, you know, like, uh, you know, games in their division. Mike Zimmer just in the, in the NFC period, 51-36 to the under – Um, Usually gets his defense to play well. The trend I was talking about in both the the Cincinnati game, because they're also a very slow paced team, them in Detroit. um, When the total opens at 47 or 47 and a half, because remember the public's betting over. So 47, 47 and a half, where where the book doesn't just go to the flat out 48 or or something higher and it goes down or stays the same. So it goes down up to four and a half points. If it goes any past four and down more than that, you're just losing the value. But if it just goes down up to four and a half, opens at 47 or 47 and a half, 70, 26 and one is the under 73% wow. since 2003. It's a tell. It's just one of those, it's just one of those market tells where the books are saying, this is probably a 45 that we know public is going to bet the under. We're kind of getting in, you know, in some dead zones, as far as key numbers, it's just one of those spots where you want to generally look uh, to bet the under. So that's why, you know, both of these games opened at 47 and a half that, we, that we've quoted So that's why I'm going with them. Uh, And the third under I like is that Bears and Packers one, but uh, it's already down to 45. And because I like the Bears to win, you know, maybe they get a, uh, I'm hoping they get like a, you know, scoring defense or something. I think it's a little, just a little less margin for error. So uh, like the under 46 Panthers Vikings.
0: The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then, make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your Action App. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 4700 in Colorado and Nevada. one 800 gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. one 800 9 with it in Indiana. one 800 270 7117 in Michigan. one 800 889 9789 in Tennessee. one 800 bets off in Iowa or one 888 532 3500 in Virginia, sync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening.
2: Let's get back to the show. Now let's get into our favorite teaser of week number six. Oh yeah, six point teasers. If you don't, want me to, don't tease
0: me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. Yeah.
2: All right. For those who are unfamiliar with teasers, it's when you combine two or more bets, you get a certain allotment of points against the spread on each bet. Usually it's a six-point teaser, which means you get six extra points, whether you're betting favorites or underdog stuck. Where are you going with your teasers for week six?
1: Yeah, it's an awful teaser week. Um, Not many fit the mold and qualify for what I'm looking for. The one teaser that I would play that I'm looking at that I'll give out here is uh, one piece would be the Colts. Now at Benham gym, it's nine and a half. You want to try and find it and see if that comes down to an eight and a half because you really want to be able to tease that below three or to three if you can get like tie. This might be a chance if you can get like a seven point teaser at minus 130. This is one of the times that it would be worth it because you can get below that field goal it's a bad spot for the Colts. You know, they came off that Monday night heartbreaking loss in a short week, but I still think that they'll win this game. Um, And you're crossing a lot of key numbers here. The Texans are the worst rushing team in the NFL by far Colts top three run defense. So The question becomes, can Davis mills take advantage of a beat up Colts secondary to win this game on the road? The Colts aren't getting any pressure, but I doubt it. Wentz did look a little better last week. I could see this game being closer than people think, but, I'll take the Colts, teasing them down. And the only other one that I could see, uh, the Raiders uh, teasing them up from three and a half up to nine and a half. I think this is close to a field goal spread. The uncertainty with what's going on with Gruden, like how does the locker room react? What does the play calling look like? Is there chaos this week? That probably keep would – I just don't know how to predict all that for – this week and the Raiders always play up and down with their every opponent. They play up and down to. So this is a big game. I assume it's going to be close and it's a low total. So I think that, you know, teasing this from three and a half up to nine and a half that there's some value there. So those are the two that uh, I would go with. And then uh, obviously again, if you were do a two team seven point teaser and you can find minus minus one thirty, this would be the time to do it. Cause then you can get the Raiders over 10 and then you can get the Colts under three.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It's a tough teaser week. Uh, I don't mind those plays at all. I, I am a little nervous about the Colts um, thinking of playing Houston. If it gets to 10, 10 and a half, uh, I would definitely consider it, but yeah, I don't hate the tease at all. I, I'm kind of, I'm going to go with two teams that I think are going to win just maybe uh, not by as much as people think, or, or I don't make the line as high as the market, I should say. Uh, and that's Tampa Bay on Thursday night, tease them from seven to one. And then Kansas City uh, on Sunday in Washington teased them from 7-1. to I don't think Kansas City is going to come off a, a you know big loss in a primetime spot and then go on the road to Washington and lose it again. Uh, I think this Washington team is out of sorts. They're banged up on offense. Uh, you know They still haven't gotten a, con- a consistent guy opposite of McLaurin, Dynamic Brown. He looks like he could come back this week, but uh, it's still been a struggle. Heineke's still been a one-read guy. I think there'll be a lot of points in this game, but that just gives the Chiefs more opportunities to kind of blow it open. Uh, I think the Chiefs will. The only reason I think this game could be close, you know, Kansas City's number one on offense. Washington's 28 on defense. They're really bad against the pass. But Washington is still top 10 in pressure rate. And Mahomes has been uncharacteristically shaky uh, against pressure this year. He's just kind of taking, taking, making some sloppy throws. Now, maybe that changes over the course of the season, but uh, that's the only reason I'm going to. Is this the game
1: that Washington gets home? Like, the, you know, they start to get home on because they on paper, if they could just figure out their coverage, they could drop two safeties mm-hmm. and they have the defensive line that can get natural pressure. And that's how you can,
2: yeah,
1: beat Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'm just worried, can the Chiefs get any stops? I, but the, there, yeah, there are some. Gibson didn't practice today, Samuel didn't practice, Sims didn't practice. Sam's and out. then, more Samuel's importantly, out. yeah, Samuel uh, is out. Uh, is he yeah. done for the year?
2: Not for the year, but he's, he's not playing this week. He's-
1: and then, more importantly, Sheriff and, and Cosby on the right side of their offensive line didn't practice, and that's huge. They've been great. I mean, if you look at some of the pass protection stats for Washington, I mean, they've been phenomenal. So that right side of the offensive line, that's really going to hurt this offense. Um, yeah, but I, I w- you would have to think that the Chiefs win this game. They don't. They're in deep, deep trouble.
2: I mean, Washington just can't cover. Like, that's really the issue. It's just Washington yep. can't cover. So Mahomes, he'll, he, might make a, he might throw another pick. You might, you know, maybe there's a bad drive or two that ends because of pressure and a sack. But at the end of the day, I mean you're talking about a defense that gave up four touchdowns to Jameis Winston uh, on a game where he still completed 15 out of 30. I mean, this is just this defense is in shambles on the back on the back end, for as good as their front, uh, you know, their D line is. Uh, so yeah, just teasing them down again, like you said. Don't love the teaser week, but. Expect Tampa to, to win in Philly, just not not by a ton. I think Philly g- gives them a run, and same thing in Washington. I think Kansas City holds on, but I think Washington gives them a run for it. And uh, there's yeah, there's no real two and a halfs on the board. <laughs> you know, there's nothing to tease up or down here that I you know. So the market is uh, tightened up a little bit. So that's what I'm going with. To recap, Stuckey is going Colts from nine and a half to three and a half. Vegas from uh, plus nine and a half to plus three and a half. Stuck also likes the seven point teaser in this spot so you can tease through the three uh, and get to the two and a halfs for each of those. Uh, and I'm going with the six point teaser. Tampa minus seven to minus one. KC minus seven to minus one. Just take the Super Bowl teams to win. What could go wrong in week six? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go to the money line underdog parlay.
1: Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay.
2: This is a victory lap segment of the the pod. I know you touched on it earlier, but we are three and two on the year on Moneyline dog parlays. And I believe we've hit seven out of 10 of our Moneyline picks period through the first five weeks. So we are, we're pretty hot right now. Hit start me off. Where are we going this week?
1: Hopefully the coach's pep talk pays off. we are going with the Jags in London (laughs) uh, against the Dolphins. I don't see a ton of value in this number. It looks like Tua is going to play all word today was he would. And I actually didn't have much of a difference between Tua and Brissette. but brissette has been awful. So I did upgrade the dolphins by a half point. I mean, if you look at EPA per play and non garbage time by quarterbacks, Wilson is the worst. Then it's not Lawrence it's Brissette, And then Lawrence is the third worst Brissette 42.2% success rate. Uh, I mean, negative 0.124 EPA per play. Only Wilson is worse than that. So he's been really bad. Dolphins are dead last uh, in success rate on offense, excluding garbage time. Uh, the Jags' defense is terrible. Look, we know this. They're 30-second adjusted sack rate. They're 30-second in pass defense. But, you know, Parker uh, didn't play. You know, you have Stills. I, can can this Miami offense really take advantage, this passing offense? I don't know. I mean, Parker didn't practice today. You know, you have your deep threat Fuller's on IR. Whether it's Tua or Bursette, like, can they really take advantage of this Jags pass defense? I'm sure they're going to get some plays, but I, you know, this isn't a great Miami offense. And then when I look at this game, I say, who's the best unit in this game? It might be the Jags running game. And yeah, you know, they've they they're second in DVOA, they're first at EPA per rush, second in rush success rate. They're averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Only the Browns are averaging more. And you know, Brandon Linder is now an IR, their center, which is a little concerned, but um, you can run on this Miami team. Miami linebackers are just so bad against the run. They're 32nd and 10 plus yard runs. You know, they, I do worry a little bit about the, the Dolphins are going to blitz a lot here. So you got to worry about what Lawrence going to look like there. Although Zayden Hadjard didn't practice today, so we don't know if he's going to play. But I just think this is a good chance for the Jags against the Dolphins team that's headed in the wrong direction. This is the Jags eighth game in London. They've played seven years in a row leading up to last year when there wasn't a London game. I don't know if that helps. Here's a different staff, a different quarterback, but there's some players on the roster that have a lot of experience going to London. Maybe that helps a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's a reach. But I think that there's a shot and a couple things working in the Jags' favor here to potentially get their first win and maybe only win of the year. They lost 20 straight. I
2: can't believe you're, you're roping me into this pick, man. Cause it's a money line parlay. So it's like, I'm taking the Jaguars too. This is, this is not, I'm not happy with this, <laughs> but I, I do. I honestly, I'm, I'm not even going to push back that hard because I totally agree that the Jags run offense has been excellent. And, you know, they finally figured out that, Hey, you should probably James give Robinson. the ball to James Robinson. Yeah. He's I I was saying this even in fantasy. I'm like, James Robinson is really good guys. Like it's good. It, it would be. Like, odd if they just completely disregarded him, even if ETN was healthy. But Jacksonville is now number one in the entire NFL in early down rush success rate. Now, usually the run game does not factor into the outcome uh, a whole lot, but as you allude to, everything else kind of cancels out, right? Like, both teams' pass offenses and eh, both teams' defenses. Eh. So, <laughs> the team with the better run game, uh, could just come out victorious in this spot. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars who, you know, for as bad as they have been, or, you know, this is actually a spot where as dare I say, the market may be underrating the Jags offense overall, because overall the Jags offense is actually 10th and early down rate. So they've been moving the ball. It's just, they've been making these terrible mistakes and I'm sure they'll make some more out of them, but this is Miami's dollar. That's including
1: some disasters early from Lawrence, you know, he's only going to get better. So.
2: Yeah, this Miami team is hapless. Uh, I am going. I mean, you went with the winless team in the AFC. I'll go with the winless team in the NFC. Detroit, plus 150. Holy Do it for Campbell. F- against Cincinnati, you're doing it for Campbell. You don't let your, t- your, your your macho tight end, former tight end, just tear up on the sideline because you keep blowing these games. But from an actual numbers perspective, there's a couple of things I like uh, about this one. Number one, uh, as you mentioned, Detroit's getting some pressure. Uh, Detroit's in a situation where it it reminds me a little bit of what we talked about in this Tampa Bay game with Philly. It's like Detroit's issue is on the back end. And Minnesota actually failed to exploit that last week adequately. But I think Cincinnati is going to be in the same boat. They've been very run heavy. And you just had Joe Burrow take two of the worst hits that he's taken. And this is a guy who's got hurt for the season. You have the Ravens on deck. So it's just a, a bad spot. And then, oh, by the way, this is still Zachary Taylor. One Zachary Taylor on the road. Dak Taylor on the road Awful. is two and 14 straight up uh, as coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have been road favorites in his tenure one time. They were playing Miami in that, that year that they were both kind of racing for that number one draft. Spot. I think they were both like
1: one and 15 or they were both like one and 13
2: or something. Miami won the game. <laughs> so, yeah. like you said, just a flat spot come out for Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Burrow hasn't been great against the Lions. You know, they play a lot. they play cover two with Aaron Glenn, two safeties deep, zone coverage. Burrow actually hasn't been great against that. Uh, he's below average if you look at his EPA per play and, and whatnot. So, I, I, I yeah, I worry about the Bengals in this spot. And I'm just kind of buying low on a team that's, you know, we're, t- we're talking money lines here. The Lions have zero wins. Their Pythagorean win total is 1.5. So they're, they've been bad. But they're more like a one to two win team, not a winless team. So this is a spot where uh, I think, listen, it sounds it's, it's disgusting, but I I pretty much rather take the Lions here uh, on the money line. It's one of those spots where I would rather take them on the money line than take them on the spread. Lions plus one fifty stuck. You're going with the Jags plus one forty. That is a five to one payout, which means you bet a hundred dollars, you win six hundred. You bet a thousand, you win six thousand. Remember, we're three and two, so hey, I can't, uh, I can't guarantee future success, but that's all I say. We're three and two. Hopefully, regression is coming for us. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But uh, all right, well, that does it for our money line underdog parlay. Jacksonville plus one forty, Detroit plus one fifty. Now let's get into the best of the rest, which is the game that we did not hit on in any other segment, and we only have one game this week, we got through pretty much all of them. Uh, but Rams Giants. Rams, nine and a half point favorites on the road at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. The total is 48 and a half. I would feel better about the Giants, like catching the Rams and kind of like a little bit of a eh, spot going across the country. But I mean, the Giants are just so banged up and they've also been terrible at home. Like Usually you expect teams like this, you know, in these spots, maybe they'll be good at home. But Daniel Jones, just 4-11 and against the spread at home. So I, I don't know. I, I Nothing I really want to do with this game. I mean, the under, maybe. Uh, this team's played a 17-9 to 9 game early last season in which the Giants just kind of just kind of hung in there. Uh, didn't allow the Rams offense to go off. But I don't know. What do you think of this one?
1: No clue. I mean, this should be a quick segment. I don't know who's playing for the Giants. I mean, I don't <laughs> think Barkley's going to play. I don't think God is going to play. Daniel Jones, the concussion, is going to be last second decision. I mean, it's just a mess. So I would see a little tiny bit of value in the Giants if I knew for sure. Debt Jones was coming back and some of these other players. Uh, this is something you have to wait on towards the end of the week. I probably won't touch it.
2: All right. That was the best of the rest. Uh, let's close it out with the survivor pool pick of the week. I I will
0: survive. Oh,
1: the survivor pool pick of the week.
2: Going uh, where are you going this week? You've used San Francisco, Cleveland, Denver, Cincinnati, and Minnesota. I've used uh, San Francisco, Green Bay, Carolina, Cincinnati, and Minnesota?
1: Yeah, I, this one is was tough for me because my original thought was I have to use it Indianapolis, and I think I am. But then, I, I mean, the Colts play the Jags and the Jets at home still. And that's, you know, in I think like weeks eight and nine. Like that would be one of those weeks would be nice to have a team there. So then I think, all right, who else would I use here? Like I want to save all the good teams. Like maybe I use the Steelers, but I mean, Steelers have week 10. The Steelers play the Lions at home. Week nine, they play the Bears at home. So I'm going to go Steelers.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking the exact same thing. I mean, it's one of my picks. I'm picking them as a favorite. So there's no reason, you know, I obviously have the confidence in them. I make the line closer to six. I worry a little bit about, what Houston did last week was sustainable, but I also worry about the coach. I mean, this is still a division game. It's a Houston team that, you know, every time you think they're down and out, they outperform expectations. They probably should have beat the Patriots last week. Uh, the Colts have been piss poor on defense and they get zero pressure. So Davis Mills could conceivably, you know, he could go back to Brandon cooks in this one. You're not facing Belichick. So Brandon cooks all of a sudden is now an option again to get, you know, a hundred plus yards of offense that helps a lot for the for Texans. So yeah, this is a, this is a trap game. Like I I'm probably going to bet the Texans hoping to get a double digit spread here. So yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it with the uh, survivor. Yeah. We're both going stewards here. Don't let me down, Tomlin. I love the false enthusiasm. I'm going to see if we can make one of you guys quit today. <laughs> oh, it's Gino. That's, it's, that's what we just, I, I'm, I'm banking on Gino. Like that's, that's what we're banking yeah. on here. That is going to do it for the week six Action Network NFL podcast. You can follow all of our picks on the award-winning free Action Network app. Just search for Sunday six-pack in the app's follow feature. Picks are posted there every Friday. Unless Matt Mitchell fucks up and posts his own picks there instead of our picks, then he'll delete them and repost our picks, and it'll be all gravy. But either way, you can find our picks there on Friday every week. Find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon, and you can find both of our picks at the same handles in the Action Network app. Be sure to check out ActionNetwork.com for all of our betting content for NFL and other sports. You can also find all of the content in the app. You can find our fantasy content at ActionNetwork.com. You can find our DFS content on FantasyLabs.com and let's go and do it. Let's get this money to